Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikucci and you are listening to the Jazz's podcast. Hello everybody, Jazz Online Editor Matt Mikucci here welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz Is Podcast. And it's brought to you in conjunction with Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. And our guest today is Randolph Noel, the pianist, composer and arranger who has worked with such greats as Abby Lincoln and Barry Harris in the past, and now he offers seven original compositions in his new album, Elements and Orbits, which comes about 20 years after his debut as a leader, Hands on Plow, from 2003. In our conversation, we talk about how each track on Elements and Orbits represents a different aspect of Noel's personality and the diversity of jazz. We talk about the influence of his family on his journey in music and how this record was partly born of a desire to respond and reflect on the tumultuousness of recent times. Lots to talk about, so let's get to it. Fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz's Podcast. Hi, Randolph. Welcome to the Jazz Is Podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, what I like to start these podcasts with is, I guess, our standard icebreaker question. And it's sort of to share a memory with us, uh, if you could, of an early memory that you have, maybe from childhood or, you know, early life, of when you remember distinctly of awakening to the beauty and power of music. And maybe also a memory that when you think back to it, you realize, Maybe that's when I when I kind of started to think that, you know, music was a thing for me. <laughs> it would have to be my grandmother. It would have to be um, this hands down. Uh, she was my first piano teacher. And I like telling this story because usually the look on someone's face is, oh, your grandmother played the piano. She didn't. As a matter of fact, she didn't play any instrument. But she knew where the notes were on the paper and she knew where they were on the keyboard and she knew how to count. Until this day, I still remember the Lone Ranger was four and one, two and three, four and one, two, three. She knew how to do that. And it's, it wasn't whereas she uh, thought that the little she knew was a big to do. She would take us to concerts. They had the Philharmonic in the park. Uh, she would talk to me about musicians, how musicians think. I don't know how, well, how, how did she get to understand the depth of thought, uh, of, of, of the thought process of musicians? But she knew all of these things. But the, the thing that got to me later on in life was that with that little bit that she knew, she felt it was important and important enough to share it and to give it to me and that it had value. And so it would, um, those, those early thoughts and the things that she would say, um, that I still think about today. It, sometimes a saying comes to my mind, something that she would say, like, um, God doesn't speak through politicians or preachers. He speaks through musicians, things of that nature. You know, uh, she had all of these different sayings. So, uh, hands down, 
Um, th- those are my early thoughts. Oh, that's that's amazing. Uh, you know, it sounds like quite a unique way to start. You know, learning the piano in the first place because. It's not traditional teaching, but maybe that's kind of part of the secret uh, that helps you develop your own personal style. Don't you think so? I think so. And um, the idea of personal style, you know, since you did, uh, you you brought up memories and and going back to people that were um, instrumental early on, like a, a gentleman like Cliff Smalls, who I met uh, in my late teens was a pianist and trombonist with the Earl Father Hines band. He would play um, for the uh, singers who were Sarah Vaughan and um, Billy Eckstein. And he would go in the trombone section when Earl Father Hines would come back out. And uh, Dizzy and Charlie Parker in the band. Long story short, he always emphasized your personal relationship with the music. And um, understanding the system, you know, learning. But the bottom line was, how do you feel about it? What do you hear from it? How are you going to use the things that you're learning? And to make sure to focus on that um, at all times, not to isolate yourself, but to 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 make sure you you are you are trying to be as authentic and true to yourself as possible. You know, is that difficult? Was that difficult? Because, you know, honesty, even in everyday life can be a challenging thing. Well, the the difficulty um, as you uh, start developing and and want to interact with other musicians, sometimes you're going to find yourself in a setting where somebody wants you to play like somebody else, right? Because right. that's the sound that they want. You have to try to uh, accommodate, so to speak, um, for survival, but <laughs> and then maintaining your identity um, at the same time. You know, so that's that's a that's a compromise. You may have to somewhat of compromise. Right. Well, uh, speaking again of your formative uh, years. So, uh, you know, when you were first starting out, who would have been your your biggest influences? Well, um, my father brought in Ama Jamal at the Pershing, but not for me. And another album called it was called The Duke Plays Ellington. It was reissued later on as uh, Piano Reflections. It's a trio album with Duke Ellington, uh, Harry Belafonte, Miriam McCabe, um, Ferranti and Taisha. You know, we listened to a, a lot of music. Um, we had a musical family. My grandfather conducted the choir. I had a, um, my older sister played piano. My younger sister, Camille, is a wonderful singer. Um, so music was always around. So those, those, um, those albums that I listened to and then the musical encounters, the choir, the church choir for me was a wonderful thing. Wonderful um, thing, you know, to, to, to sing with other people. And then um, as time went on, sort of th- that idea of being around other people in musical settings, you know, it, it of course, it would never um, it would never end. I'm glad you're editing this. <laughs> no, this is all good stuff. No, because there's a lot there's a lot to talk, uh, talk about, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, is it true that you you started? I mean, as far as your earliest professional experiences as a professional musician uh one of your earliest experiences was touring with sam and dave yes <laughs> i did two tours with sam and dave in 1973 amazing <laughs> a- any memories and, of those days oh yes i have a lot of memories of those <laughs> days um I- i'd say um at that age i was uh i was 20 years old i'm 70 now i was 20 years old and uh, I remember the first time we went out for a month. One thing I, I, 
I may have slept on and then realized later on the band leader was such a wonderful musician, such a wonderful musician. And just the idea of being on tour, that sort of a um, development that you get from doing that. Uh, yeah. we, 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 were, we started in Augusta, Georgia. We went over to Boulder, Colorado, came back over to the 20 Grand Club in Detroit. You know, it was... Um, it, it was it was quite an experience, quite an experience. This is another thing that I like to get into because, you know, the first times musicians go out on the road, kind of the whole world opens up to them. Uh, do you feel like, you know, much in the same way we talked about some of your influences that you might have heard in your formative years? Do you feel that the road itself was something that helped you grow as an artist? Yeah, especially since you're um, usually you're playing every day. That, 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 um, sort of performance, that everyday performance. And, and I know that, um, it's not, uh, it, it's not unusual to say that what that does for you, how it develops your, um, that, that experience, how it develops your, your calm when you go to the stage, because you have this experience that you've had, you've been doing this for a while. And even though there's going to be some sort of a nervous tension, still, especially when you get it early. Uh, to be able to um, uh, to be in front of people. And it's different when you're at home by yourself practicing yeah. to be in front yeah. of people. It's it's a um, it's a special experience. And it and it helped later on uh, when I went to school. I um, I was a performance major, piano performance major. Um, it helped my um, composure on the stage. I felt that I may have had a little bit of advantage because I had already toured before I went to school. I took some time in between high school and college. Oh. I had done things. And then when I went to college, I, I think I had more performance experience than the average person there. It must have been great, though. And, and as a matter of fact, I, then you also became a, a music educator uh, yes. for several years. Then uh, you, you were uh, teaching uh, younger folks to kind of get into music is it true that elements and orbits kind of you know is your first album in a in a good few years i i, I believe 20 years in 20 years the first album in uh i did an album in 2003 with um a lot of uh, the choir i had a uh, youth choir um that was the focus of the album and um and it also featured uh, adult musicians again my sister camille um, Kiani Zawadi, Lonnie Plaxico, Doug Harris, you know, I could name them all, you know, but, and these were students who were students of mine for years oh. from when they were in elementary school and they got hooked, so to speak, on jazz as a result of a concert that, uh, we were involved in with Barry Harris, Barry Harris's 60th birthday celebration. Um, he wanted, um, more children. Uh, before he would have some high school children participate with the chorus. This time he wanted more children. We must have lined Manhattan Center, the balcony of Manhattan Center, with about 300 children. And they were from the first grade through the sixth grade. And it wasn't where their voices were trained to any, you know, great extent or anything of that nature. But they sang so beautifully. And from then, I, 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 when I... When I first started, I didn't think that I was going to stay the length of time that I did. As a matter of fact, I was committed to not to stay. My ego was too, <laughs> was too big. I'm not doing this. <laughs> you know? And, uh, after that experience and I saw how they responded to it 
And on the way home, they're saying, uh, where are we going next, Mr. Noel? That convinced me. Yeah, it was a wonderful thing. It was a wonderful thing. track you are hearing is from Elements in Orbits by Randolph Noel. We'll return to our conversation in a moment, but first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz's Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz's, jazzes.com and these Jazz's podcasts. Go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. And now, back to our conversation with Randolph Noel. First off, I'm intrigued by its title, uh, and I wondered whether there was a, a specific meaning to it. Yes, um, it, it was my it was me putting into a nutshell um, life for me, uh, the things that I am, the things that and the things that are around me, and the compositions of those things that are around me, and and those interactions, um, and to be able to find balance. Um, yeah. with, with all that we are and with all that is around us. And so that was my nutshell, elements and orbits. So do you feel that, uh, you know, each of the tracks in a sense on this record kind of represents that, that theme? Because also I was thinking while I was listening to it that each one of these tracks actually has its own character. And to me, they seem to represent, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of an aspect of your artistic personality. I well, um, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment, and um, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that people, when they listen to it, will hear it that way. Yeah. Um, each yeah. one has its own distinction. Each one is is an element. The, that wasn't the intent to make each one different. It really wasn't. That's just the way it was. Each one had yeah. its own um, and. So I, um, I'm happy that it came out that way. And so since it's been, you know, quite some time since you're, you know, a lot of time passed between your last album and this one, was this a case of, you know, kind of gathering sort of tracks, pieces that you'd worked on over the years, kind of revisiting them for this project? What was that like? Or was it just, you know, the opposite? It was, they were all sort of written at the same time period of time um it was it's a combination really a lot of them were uh thematic material from decades ago for example uh, episode from a coincidence that's uh based on a theme from uh a piece that i wrote for two pianists and two percussionists notated piece while i was at the university of uh, buffalo i had an independent study in composition with the american composer leo smith and uh i took a theme from uh, that piece that I had written and used it as a vehicle for improvisation. The piece New Romance was uh, a piece that was written very recent. I had actually started an orchestra. I said I was going to do a full orchestration on my romance. I hadn't planned on recording. 
I said, I'm writing. This is 2020. I'm writing. And um, I plan on doing a, a full orchestration of my romance. And as I was going, you know, playing with the harmonic structures, you know, laying out some things, I got so far away from it. I said, I might as well write a new melody. So I called it a new romance. And so that was a, a, um, some of the pieces came from decades ago, Grand Bay Top Hill, the revisit of a piece that I had orchestrated decades ago. Um, there was a concert we did uh, with my sister Camille and a good friend of mine, Presley McCullough. And um, I did, uh, in addition to vocal um, orchestrations, uh, did some instrumental orchestrations. Grand Bay Top Hill was one of them. This is has a, um, a larger um, wind section than uh, before. And then, uh, you know, we talked about your family being so important in shaping your your interest and your passion for music. Is it true there's one uh, track on this record that's dedicated to your grandfather? Yeah, Big Daddy. That, that was what we called him. And uh, my grandmother, uh, we called her mother. So it was Mother and Big Daddy. I named the piece Big Daddy. I was telling one of my sons the other day, um, I always talk about them. I always talk about them. I could talk for years about them because of the uh, type of people that they were and and how I feel this music that we call jazz, even though they were different musicians, how it relates to them because it's about survive and thrive. That's what jazz has done through the years. And that's what they did. Um, uh, they During the Depression, um, they, they migrated uh, up from their children of African descent who migrated up from the Caribbean uh, a little, some years before the Depression. And my father was born here and my aunt. And when the Depression hit, um, my grandparents couldn't afford to keep their children with them. They had to send them back home to be raised by their grandmother. They couldn't afford to live with each other. She took a job as a living maid, and he took a, um, a room in a boarding house. And eventually, when I was born in Brooklyn, um, I came back home to a brownstone owned by my grandparents. That's where, and then I was raised in a, a limestone house, six family limestone house that my grandparents owned. And, you know, they, they survived and they thrived. And, and same thing that this art form is, all art uh, represents survival and, and the thriving of, of us. Uh, our society, how we're living our lives, you know, I could go on and on about them. And, yeah. and thank you for sharing. Uh, that. That's an uh, incredible story. And I love to find out about the story behind the music because, you know, I think that's, that's so important, but, but while we're on the topic of, of art and you said thrive and survive, how do what do you feel the role of the arts is in these contemporary times? And if I can bring into it, your, your album as well, elements and orbits, it emerges after a particularly intense time of social unrest, but also, you know, the pandemic where people couldn't actually go out to play music. So did all of that influence the making of this record? Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, when I started writing in 2020, when I started saying, well, I have to write, what I was feeling around me and what I was seeing around me was so um, monumental. I would tell my children before, um, you would never see anything like the 60s. You know, I was a six, I was born in 53. So I came up in the 60s. I saw all of that. And I would, you know, I, it was almost as if you will never see anything like that again. And what we saw in 2020, 
made me gave me pause to never say that again. We will never see something as monumental before. That was incredible. All of it, all of it was amazing. And um, people, uh, friends of mine who never wrote anything were writing prose, poetry, whatever the case may be. People were moved. Though the world was moved socially, the world was moved to um, to take a stand to. Uh, um, to, to recognize certain things. Some of the things that, as far as I'm concerned, jazz has been talking about from the beginning, you know, equality, justice, you know, those things and, and how important those things were. And, and to see the whole world say, yes, it's time. You had to be moved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I also wanted to talk about uh, the ensemble that you assembled for this project. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the musicians that are heard on this album, you know, that kind of helped you craft this work? Yeah. I am so fortunate. <laughs> for years, I've known some some wonderful people that I met from wonderful people. Uh, the people that I met um, with my association with Abby Lincoln and Barry Harris, those two hubs, so to speak, uh, and the people that I've known for decades, uh, uh, my relationship with Valerie Capers, uh, Larry Ridley, you know, all of these people that were connected to so many others. So a lot of these musicians, we've known each other for decades, like Clifton Anderson, David Glasser, uh, Kenny Davis. I could go, I mean, I hate to start calling names and then, you know, you don't call them all, Jared Walson. My son is featured on this on clarinet. Uh, and, and then some I just met. You know, humility is a great thing. Sometimes people th think of humility as a weakness. Humility is strength. And um, the idea of being around musicians who want to encourage you to find your music you know, that, that's, that's, that's special. These are everybody on that album, special, special people. And I said it to them and I wrote it. I said, um, not only are they wonderful skilled musicians, they are excellent people. And, um, the, the camaraderie and the process of the recording. And, you know, another thing is that a lot of them have more name recognition than me. I don't have that name recognition that some of these people have. And um, still, it was important for them to encourage me. And um, when I called upon them, they were they were supportive and encouraging. And it and it came into the studio. It came into the studio. Even things that are written, um, my my expression is make it your own. So it, it was you know that that was the feeling that we had, you know, and and that we were going to be in agreement. You know, that's that's um, this music, this spontaneous element calls for that kind of an agreement, uh, that spontaneous agreement. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing album. Well, now, uh, you know, the obligatory question is, uh, you know, now that this album is out and you've kind of returned after so many years with a new album, is there do you have any plans in your mind to kind of record more, write more? get back out mm -hmm. there, you know, in the studio and uh, more and kind of return to it. <laughs> the get back out there part is first. I have to make myself known to the different um, performing arts organizations, uh, the um, the club owners, the promoters, they, 
I'm not known. So I have to start buckling down and sending my material around. And then hopefully um, I try not to forecast too many future projects, you know, but there's some things that I have in mind. I have, you know how we are as musicians. That's that's a constant thing. The, the um, Navigating the industry um, for a staff of three, me, myself, and I, <laughs> is is kind of is 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 difficult. So I have to um, I have to make some connections now. That's what I have to do to make people make those people aware that um, I would like to uh, participate. We'll certainly watch this space. Uh, but in the meantime, I thank you very much for joining us. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And to Jazz's magazine, I, I'm grateful. enjoyed my conversation with Randolph Noel and I remind you that his new album Elements and Orbits is available now and if you love jazz and vinyl be sure to check out our Jazz Is Vinyl Club join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition colour vinyl albums mailed directly to you just go to jazzis.com and click on join vinyl club for more and as music from Randolph Noel's new album Elements and Orbits plays us out I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz's podcasts our print magazine and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website jazzes.com and if you like what you see you can always subscribe for more till the next time this is Matt Mikuchi signing off see you soon